sexual function is physiology, but it's also psychology. But I really don't like the word psychology because that implies like if you can't get an erection, you must be crazy. Not the case. The example that I use is if you had a porn star being chased by a bear, the porn star would not have an erection. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Welcome to Rebel Health Coach Podcast number 134 with Judson Brandeis. Dr. Judson Brandeis is a clinical researcher, a physician, educator, and a caring clinician and surgeon, a graduate of Brown University and Vanderbilt University School of Medicine with urologic surgery residency at UCLA and a postdoc fellowship at Harvard. Today, he specializes in the emerging field of sexual health and medicine. Over the course of his 25-year career as a board-certified urologist, he has performed thousands of surgeries and pioneered surgical robotics. In February of 2019, he opened the Brandeis MD, a national leader in technology and sexual medicine innovations for men. Brandeis MD engages in ongoing clinical research to improve well-being and provide the tools for men to live their best lives. Dr. Brandeis is dedicated to helping his patients and men everywhere feel great, look good, and have better physical intimacy. He brings his wealth of expertise and care to his very first book, The 21st Century Man, advice from 50 top doctors and men's health experts to help you feel great, look good, and have better sex. A native New Yorker, Dr. Judson Brandeis, now resides in Northern California. I hope you enjoy this episode, and please rate reviews of the show. Let me know what you think. I enjoyed this episode, and it's been a while since I've done one just for men. And so I hope the men out there listen to this and uh, grab his book. It's full of good, great information for men. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Dr. Judson Brandeis, welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. How are you this afternoon? Oh, I'm doing great, Tom. Thank you so much for having me on. Man, I've been looking forward to this, and I'm looking forward to reading your book. It should be here tomorrow. Your staff sent me one to read. I can't wait to read it. But before we dive into your book, first of all, what was your catalyst for becoming a urologist? Yeah, so I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. But after college, after I went to Brown University, I worked for American Red Cross for a guy named Harold T. Merriman. And he was the first one that discovered how to freeze blood for transfusion. Really an amazing guy. And what we were trying to do at that time was freeze kidneys for transplantation, which was really an amazing project. But at that time, we were doing a lot of transplantation of rabbit and pig kidneys. And so I became fascinated with kidney transplantation. And then when I went off to medical school at Vanderbilt, I did research at Harvard Medical School on kidney transplantation at the lab where they did the first living-related kidney transplant, the Murray and Merrill Lab that won the Nobel Prize for transplanting kidneys. Then I went off to UCLA, did a surgical residency and a urology residency, and was really interested in kidney transplants, but then decided to become more of a general urologist, became super interested in prostate cancer and kidney stones, became one of the pioneers for robotic surgery, and really had an amazing career up until about two, three years ago. And then I became really interested in regenerative urology. Mm. So the ability to grow new blood vessels in men who are experiencing erectile dysfunction. So guys that aren't responding to the little blue pill, what can we do to help those guys? And it's really become just an amazing turn in my career to help men who really need and deserve help regaining physical intimacy. Hmm, that's awesome. This book, The 21st Century Man, advice from the 50 top doctors and men's health experts 
so you can feel great, look good, and have better sex. So what was the catalyst for this book? Yeah, so the catalyst was actually COVID. Okay. Because I, I never had time to write the book. I mean, I was living the book for the past 25 years and taking care of thousands and thousands of men. And over that time of taking care of all those men, I just collected stories and anecdotes and experiences and kind of a rich understanding of men, what motivates men, what problems men have and how to communicate and explain things and motivate men. And so when I had to close my office for three weeks, uh, three months because of COVID, I began writing the book and the book just kind of grew and grew and grew. And so it started out as a small kind of book about sexual medicine and turned into 101 chapters and over 900 pages of really incredibly rich content about men's health. Wow. That's great. And let's face it, all men age differently. And today men are aging much faster at a much faster rate than any ever before. And I mean, I see guys in their thirties getting dad bods, their testosterone levels are that of a 50 year old man at 32 and 33 and 31, but men have a difficult time asking for help. So what does it take for a man to stay rejuvenated and healthy as they age? And how do we help these men age better? Yeah, I mean, those are really foundational, outstanding questions. So 100 years ago, women lived one year longer than men. Now women live five years longer than men. And even before COVID, the longevity of Caucasian middle-aged men was actually declining. And it was declining because of opioids, alcohol, and suicide. Hmm. And men are half as likely to go to the primary care doctor as women are. So we're in trouble. The health and longevity of middle-aged men and their enjoyment of life is in severe decline. And it really takes a commitment by a man to realize that there's strength in looking for and asking for help. You know, we're always taught just shake it off. You know, you can do it, tough it out. And we're taught to take care of our, our spouse, our kids, our employees, our community. And we're not really taught how to take care of ourselves, to put ourselves and our health first. And really, that's what the 21st century man is all about, is it's about prevention and early intervention. Because it's not like a car, right? If, if you don't do anything to your car and you don't replace the oil and you burn out the engine, you can either get a new engine or you can get a new car. But if you have a massive heart attack and you lose 50% of your myocardium and your ejection fraction is only 20%, you can't replace your heart. Hmm. You can't unclog all your blood vessels. It's really too late. You've lost the quality of life that you once had. But there are some real warning signs that we get as men that most of us ignore that should be telling us that we need to take better care of ourselves. Let's go there. What are some of the signs that we should be paying attention to as we age? Oh, man, the best one is your penis. Okay. Right? Right. So when you're 20, you wake up with morning wood, right? Right. Every morning, flagpoles full mast. At some point in your life, you're not going to wake up with morning wood anymore. Maybe it's your 30s. Maybe it's your 40s. Maybe it's your 50s. That's telling you that your cardiovascular system your heart and your arteries aren't working the way that they used to work. Hmm. 10 years after you lose nighttime erections, you're going to develop erectile dysfunction if you don't change something, right? So you're going to be getting it on with your partner or your spouse or whatever, and all of a sudden, your erection's going to go away. And then that's going to start happening more and more and more frequently. And then if you don't do anything about that, guess what? 10 years later, you're going to experience your first heart attack or you're going to need an angioplasty or a stent, right? It's all the same system. It's all the circulatory cardiovascular system. But the thing is the arteries to the penis are one to two millimeters. The arteries to the heart 
are three to four millimeters. So guess what's going to get clogged first? Penis. Penis. Yeah. So if you if you say shit, I'm not getting. Can I curse on the show? Absolutely. It's a Rebel Health Coach podcast. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. If you say shit, I'm not getting morning erections anymore. I better do something about it, right? And then say, uh, well, you know, I'm 30 pounds overweight, and uh, that probably means my testosterone is going to be low, and I'm out of shape. I got to get my act together. Let's lose some weight. Let's get back in shape. Guess what? I'm going to eat better. You're going to push out the time when your circulatory system doesn't deliver enough blood to the penis by five years or 10 years or 15 years. And you're going to push out that time till you get your first heart attack 20 or 30 or 40 years. Mm. Simple. It is simple. Yeah. Just look at your penis. Your penis knows. <laughs> your penis knows. Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's why they call it the second brain. Right. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great indication of men's health. The penis. The penis. So let's start here. What do you attribute this early aging to? Toxic world, food, sleep, stress? What is it? Well, I mean, think about our ancestors, right? What did our ancestors need to do to eat? They had to go out hunting. Right. They had to go track a deer. They had to go sharpen a spear, run the deer down, throw the spear, hit the deer, you know, wrestle it to the ground, drag the carcass back five miles to the village. Right. What do you think that does to the cardiovascular system? Oh, man. Man, you're in great shape. All right. What do you need to do these days? You pick up your cell phone, you open up the Uber Eats app, <laughs> you click two buttons. They, like, they don't even want you to have to click five buttons. Right. You can just click one button and you get a burrito delivered to your door within 20 minutes. Huh. And that's 2,000 calorie burrito with extra guacamole. And uh, because, of course, guacamole is good because it's got uh, healthy fat, right? So you're eating a little guacamole, but you know, it's got sour cream and grease and whatever, right? And so you're knocking down 2,000 calories. And guess what? You know, your basal metabolic rate's probably 1,600. So you just packed on 400 calories before you got up from lunch. Yeah. I mean, food's a biggie. I mean, that's not, that's not even to say like, you know, all the plastics and all the, you know, the crap that's in our water and, and processed food. I mean, I'm not an expert at that stuff. I just know that that kind of stuff can't be good for us. Right. It's, you know, I, I can't, you can't really quantify that kind of stuff, but it just intuitively, it's like back in the day when people were saying smoking's good for you. I mean, come on, <laughs> you know, like before the studies came out, you could sort of intuitively say that lighting a stick on fire and inhaling the, the smoke right. probably wasn't good for you. Right. Like plastics probably aren't good for you. No, no. And that's something, I mean, that's a toxic world though. We've got plastics. We've got the air you breathe, the toxins in the air. It's a lineup of stuff that we have. Yeah. But, you know, off. I mean, to, to a certain extent, it's hard to escape that kind of right, stuff. Right. And if you spend your life focused on avoiding plastics, you're, you're missing the bigger picture. Right. Which is your diet should consist of high protein, low carb, high fiber, and lots of macronutrients. And if you're going to eat fats, they should be healthy fats. Right. I mean, those are five principles that pretty much every nutritionist that I know will agree on. I mean, just stay away from seed oils. That will increase your lifespan a lot just by staying away from seed oils. You know, the olive oil or avocado oil or whatever you got to use to cook with. But everywhere you turn, even, even with healthy food, I was looking at a bar that I've been buying that I thought was healthy today. And prepping for this, and I was thinking about seed oils, and I flipped the package over and read the ingredients, and they're canola oil. I'm like, what? You know, come on. This is on the shelf in the health food store. Yeah, exactly. So you're, get, you're getting bamboozled at health food stores now. Uh, let's talk about sleep and stress, too, because those two... Yeah, so uh, there's an amazing chapter on sleep in the book written by Dr. Michael Murphy, a professor at Stanford. I'm really not a sleep expert, so I would defer to, to Dr. Murphy's chapter. But stress, you know, stress is really interesting. So I deal a lot with stress as it relates to sexual function. 
Let's go there. Because sexual function is physiology, but it's also psychology. But I really don't like the word psychology because that implies like if you can't get an erection, you must be crazy. But that's not the case. The example that I use is if you had a porn star being chased by a bear, the porn star would not have an erection. Because he's in fight or flight mode. Exactly. Because he's in what's called fight or flight mode or sympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system produces adrenaline, which is also known as epinephrine. And chronically, you're going to produce cortisol. Those hormones basically shunt blood away from non-essential organs. Non-essential organs are like the kidney, the penis, the intestine, the liver, that kind of stuff. And you're going to get blood that goes to your eyes, your brain, your heart, and your big muscles. Hmm. Now, we haven't evolved long enough to be able to differentiate between running away from a bear and having your wife pissed off at you and having your boss pissed off at you. So any of those situations will produce those same adrenaline epinephrine type hormones, and that's going to pull blood away from non-essential organs like the penis. Okay. Let's talk about, let's start before we dive into the penis, because we're going to talk about hormone replacement therapy. We're going to dive into vasectomies. We're going to dive into your gains wave therapy, because that's amazing therapy that's growing faster. Let's talk about prostate health. And this is one of the most common forms of cancer for men. And the second leading cancer death in, in, in for men is prostate cancer. Absolutely. So as a man, what are some things we should, A, look for as we age for our prostate? And B, how do we feed our prostate so we stay healthy? Yeah, so those are all great questions. And I wrote a, a fantastic chapter in the book on prostate health. Right. Cause and you know, there are textbooks written on the prostate, but let me, let me sort of give you the highlights. So first of all, what most people don't realize is the prostate is a gland glands in the body make fluid. So the salivary glands make saliva, the prostate gland makes semen. Right. And so what semen does is it nourishes the sperm on their long journey to fertilize the egg. And so basically semen is mostly fructose or, or sugar. And you get semen from the seminal vesicles, which are little sacs that live behind the prostate, and then also from prostate fluid. So the seminal vesicle makes that kind of yellowish fluid, and the prostate makes kind of that whitish fluid that accompanies the sperm. And that's all the prostate does. Doesn't make any hormones, doesn't, that's it. But it, what it does is it makes trouble for a guy as he gets older because testosterone gets converted into dihydrotestosterone, just a derivative form of testosterone. And dihydrotestosterone gives us these wonderful male sex characteristics like um, losing hair, like growing ear hair, like growing nose hair, like growing chest hair and making the prostate big. So an enlarged prostate is not a cancerous prostate. An enlarged prostate typically is a benign growth of the prostate. And so when you urinate, the bladder squeezes the urine through a tube called the urethra, which goes through the prostate and then out through the penis. So as the prostate increases in size, it constricts the flow of urine out of the bladder. And so you get what's called obstructive and irritative urinary symptoms. So irritative urinary symptoms are like frequency, meaning you go to the bathroom every hour, urgency, meaning when you have to go, you have to go right away, nighttime urination. So as you get older, you wake up more frequently to urinate at night, burning on urination, infections, blood in the urine, and then obstructive symptoms are that the stream gets slower so that you know, when you were a kid, you could stand 10 feet away from the toilet and hit it. Uh, and now you're at the, uh, the golf tournament and, you know, guys are basically standing next to the urinal and still dribbling on their toes. Hesitancy, meaning, you know, when you're a kid going to the, the football game, you're in and out in two seconds, whereas grandpa takes six minutes to, uh, to urinate. Uh, intermittency, meaning it, you, urine starts and stops. And residual urine, meaning that when you're finished, 
you think you're finished, but then 10 minutes later, you head back to the bathroom because you really haven't emptied your bladder. So enlarged prostate will give you those symptoms. And then something that you can do early on is, for example, I have a, a, a supplement called Spunk. And you can pick that up at affirmscience.com, A-F-F-I-R-M science.com. And what spunk is, is beta-cytosterol, pigeum, pumpkin seed extract, flax, all supplements that have been proven to help prostate health. But if you get to the point where your prostate's so large and blocks the, the flow of urine so much, then you may need to be on medication. And so there are medications called alpha blockers that block smooth muscle and open up the urinary channel, or there are medications that block the conversion of testosterone into DHT, mm. right? And so it shrinks the prostate. And then if medications don't work, and even Cialis, the medication for erectile dysfunction, has some beneficial effects on urination. And then beyond medication... There are minimally invasive procedures like the Urolift procedure or the Resume procedure that can be done in the office. And if your prostate's beyond that, then there are minimally invasive procedures like using a laser or a resectoscope to shell out the prostate. So that's benign prostate treatment in, uh, in a nutshell. Okay, good. Let's get this prostate out of the way and move on to testosterone and the penis. All right, perfect. So, you know, for 30 years, we've had a lab test called a PSA. And PSA is prostate-specific antigen. Uh, uh, so enzyme that your prostate produces that only your prostate produces. No other part of the body produces that. And as the PSA goes up, your statistical risk of prostate cancer increases. Now, one point that I make in the book is a new technology called an MRI. And almost every, really every other solid organ cancer in the body is diagnosable through imaging. So brain or kidney or liver or colon or any of those cancers are diagnosed through imaging studies. But it's only recently that we've been able to diagnose prostate cancer using an imaging technology. And that imaging technology is an MRI. So it used to be you had an elevated PSA, the, pro the, the doctor stuck his finger up your butt, felt around. He might have felt a nodule. He might not have felt a nodule. But then he said, oh, you know, it's time to do a prostate biopsy. And a prostate biopsy is really an extremely unpleasant procedure. I'm sure. Right. So what you do is you take an ultrasound probe, which is the size of a large cigar. You stick it up a guy's rectum. You look at the inside of the prostate. And then you take a long, thin needle and stick it through the rectal mucosa into the prostate 12 times. Ouch. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, you pee blood for a couple of days, you ejaculate blood for a couple of weeks, you get blood out the rectum. You know, it, this is a, a cancer diagnostic procedure. So I'm not saying it's bad, but it's unpleasant. On a good day, it's unpleasant. Okay. Along comes prostate MRI. And insurance companies will fight you on it. And sometimes doctors will fight you on it. Um, but in my opinion, I started the prostate MRI program at my medical practice about seven or eight years ago. It's indispensable. So when I was practicing 10 years ago, the rate of positivity of my biopsies was about 33%. So one out of every three guys that I biopsied had prostate cancer. And that was pretty standard for urologists back in those days, okay? Then along comes MRI, and it allows me not to biopsy a lot of patients that I used to biopsy, mm. right? Because I can see, geez, your prostate's 150 cubic centimeters, normal prostate's 30 cubic centimeters, so gee, that's why your PSA is so high because you have a big prostate and we don't see any prostate cancer in there anyway. Okay. So I don't biopsy you. And then the guys that do have prostate cancer, you need to do an ultrasound MRI-guided fusion prostate biopsy. There are still urologists out there that say, oh, okay, on the MRI, the cancer was up here, so I'm just going to use the ultrasound and take biopsies up there. Okay, but that's not the way to do it. 
There's something called a fusion biopsy where you take the ultrasound images and you fuse them with the MRI images. And then that puts a target on the ultrasound. And then you do a targeted biopsy. Mm. So if you're out there and you have a urologist that wants to do a prostate biopsy on you, ask them, is it an MRI guided ultrasound fusion biopsy? Not just an MRI guided, but an ultrasound fusion biopsy. Using that fusion technology, I went from 33% accuracy to 85% accuracy. Nice. Right. So pretty much almost everyone that I biopsied had cancer. Right. And if you have cancer, then it justifies doing a biopsy. But I always felt bad for those two out of three guys who I had to stick an ultrasound probe up their butt and stick a needle through their rectal mucosa 12 times because they didn't really need it. So the, you know, these are the book is filled with that kind of advice that you're probably not going to get from the internet or other medical textbooks but you're going to get from the 21st century man because it's me and 60 of my colleagues who are exceptional top physicians and medic and men's health experts and you know what the other thing is i see you got a really nice bookcase there how do you feel when you read a 300 page book and at the end of the book you're like damn i got this about 5 pages of information in here right it's frustrating it is right this book, I can guarantee you, and I promise you, this book is over 900 pages. First of all, you don't have to read all 900 pages. You only read the chapters that are rele relevant to you. But there is 900 pages of information in this book. Nice. Right? And I could not have written this book in any less than 900 pages. Right. That's how packed with information this book is. It's basically the cliff notes of exactly what you need to know about any disease process that relates to men, whether it's physical health, you know, cardiology or lungs or infectious disease. And there's some really fun chapters like stupid things that men do to get themselves put into the emergency room <laughs> written by, yeah, it's written by an emergency room physician. You know, I mean, every year I see one of my patients who've fallen off a ladder and just basically ruined their life by falling off a ladder. There's a section on addictions. There's a chapter on what men need to know about menopause, right? All right. So, you know, you're 57, your wife's 53. You guys have a great relationship, kids, whatever. Kids are empty nest. You know, things seem to be going well. Then all of a sudden you come home one day and your wife's like totally off the wall. And you're like, who is this woman that's in my house now? And if you don't understand that this is menopause and this is part of life and this is hormonal and you don't understand that you can reverse a lot of this stuff and you can help your wife by talking to her about being on hormones and empathizing with her, then you're going to be out on the golf course playing golf and your wife's going to be playing tennis with her girlfriends, drinking wine, complaining about you. And you'll see each other once a month and make faces at each other. But if you understand what menopause is and that it's a medical condition and that it's relatively treatable and you can be empathetic to your spouse when she has hot flashes, et cetera, et cetera, it may actually bring you closer. And the, the chapter is written by Russ Bartels, who's a male gynecologist. who's like 50 some odd years old. So he totally understands menopause from like a personal standpoint and a professional standpoint. And the chapter is just exquisite. It's just amazing. Like, like if you were to buy the book just for that one chapter, it would be well worth it. Okay. That would, that would save your fifties and sixties, but there's, I mean, there's so much more. There's a whole section on sexual healing. That is just everything that you need to know about getting and keeping and maintaining your erectile and sexual abilities well into your fifties, sixties, seventies, and eighties. Let's talk about that. First of all, how do we increase testosterone naturally? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm looking at the chart up in your wall on uh, you know inflammation and poor diet and environment and diabetes and heart disease and cancer. You know, so first of all, the hunters had higher testosterone than the farmers, right? 
So a hunter would need to go out into the plains with weapons and take down big, scary animals uh, and kill them and then drag them back to the, to the, the tribe, right. right? You need a lot of testosterone to do that. The same way that a, a football player needs higher testosterone than a, um, you know, a video game junkie, you know, and back in the day, farmers had lower testosterone than, than hunters. Okay. But we're, you know, humans have evolved in a way that's even more backward than that. And so a lot of us spend way, way too much time on the couch mm-hmm. doing sedentary activities, sitting in front of the computers. And so why should your, your body's smart. I mean, it really, really is. Why should your body bother producing testosterone when you don't need it? Right. Like what the hell do you need testosterone for? You're like, you know, surfing the internet on Twitter, on Facebook, whatever. Like you don't need testosterone. You know, you want food, you call up Uber Eats, they bring some food over to you. You don't need to, to take down a, a, you know, wild boar. That's one of the reasons why we don't make as much testosterone is because our bodies say, well, we don't need it. The second thing is people are fat, right? What happens in fat? To stop, you know, we're always taught, well, men are from Mars and women are from Venus, right? But testosterone and estrogen are virtually the same molecule. The only difference between the testosterone molecule and the estrogen molecule is a single hydrogen ion. An electron, a neutron, and proton, one. The smallest unit of matter. That's the only difference between a testosterone and an estrogen. And so it's easy for your body to flip testosterone into estrogen. And guess where we do a lot of that? In fat. So why do you get man boobs when you're fat? Because you're putting on estrogen and your testosterone's going down. So the reason that our testosterones are low and our estrogens are high is we're sedentary, we don't eat well, and we're fat. You want to boost your testosterone? Start working out start losing weight. Super easy. Now there's a supplement that I produce called support. S-U-P-P-O-R-T It's available at Affirm Science also, right? So D-H-E-A is a testosterone precursor. Your body uses testosterone. So these are all steroid hormones. They start as cholesterol. Cholesterol is broken down into D-H-E-A and DHEA is then further broken down into testosterone, right? Just like you bring iron ore to a steel mill, right? your body brings DHEA or cholesterol into DHEA, and then DHEA gets brought into testosterone, just the way that iron ore is brought into steel. And then it also includes something called DIM, which is a natural aromatase inhibitor. So it blocks the conversion of testosterone into estrogen. And then it has some Tonkat Ali and some ashwagandha, so some botanicals that have been shown to improve testosterone. So if you want to take a supplement to improve your testosterone levels, you can take something like support, but much more important than that is eat a good diet with high protein, exercise, lose weight. Now... How about Mucana? Mucana. Yeah. M-U-C-U-N-A. I have no idea. Yeah. All right. I just hold it. Mucana? Yeah. Is it Murapuama? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Murapuama. So Murapuama is uh, potency wood. And so we actually have Murapuama in, uh, it's a Brazilian tree root uh, or bark. You can get it either from root or bark. And we actually have that in Affirm, which is our nitric oxide boosting supplement. So Affirm is citrulline, it's beets, it's ginseng, and Murapuama. Yeah, what's up with the beets? Why, why are they so potent for nitrous oxide production? Yeah. So when I was at UCLA, my professors won the Nobel Prize for discovering nitric oxide as a second messenger. And so what that means is that Nitric oxide is essential for circulation. So nerves, when they're stimulated, release nitric oxide onto blood vessels. And those blood vessels make something called CGMP. 
Okay. Okay. It's not essential to know what CGMP is other than it's the linchpin of the whole system. So when you have high levels of CGMP, a cascade of events occurs where you open up blood vessels. When you open up blood vessels, blood pressure goes down and blood delivery increases. So when you, when your brain sees something that it likes and you become sexually excited, you send signals through the cavernous nerve in the penis, which releases nitric oxide, which boosts CGMP, which opens up blood vessels in the penis. Okay. But nitric oxide works everywhere in the body, it works in the brain to increase brain blood flow. It works in muscles. So a lot of elite endurance athletes and weightlifters use it in their pre-workout stack. It's really good for dec naturally decreasing blood pressure. Now in the penis, it improves circulation, but eventually circulation fades and the reason it fades is you have an enzyme in the penis called PDE5. And the beautiful thing about PDE5 is that's the only place that it is. There's PDE6, that's in the eyes. There's PDE1, that's in the brain. PDE4, that's in the lungs. But in the penis, it's PDE5, okay? And if you block PDE5 with a PDE5 inhibitor, like Viagra, like Cialis, like Levitra, then you keep CGMP around and CGMP opens up blood vessels, uh -huh. right? So that's right. the signal. If you want to maximize the signal for opening up blood vessels, you take a nitric oxide booster like a firm and you take a PDE5 inhibitor like Viagra or Cialis. I've been doing some, there's some studies out uh, that a lot of people have been using the PDE5 inhibitors for longevity. Yeah, no, there was an interesting study that came out that said if you take a lot of Viagra, you get 20% less dementia. Okay, but the reason for that is because there is some cross-reactivity between Viagra and the blood vessels in the brain. Okay. Right? So if you open up the blood vessels in the brain, guess what? You have less vasculogenic erectile dysfunction. I mean, a vasculogenic dementia. But if you want an even more potent supplement to reduce what's called MCI, mild cognitive impairment, just to take a nitric oxide booster like a firm, because that works everywhere in the body, not just in the penis. Huh. Okay. Let's dive into testosterone replacement therapy. And then we're going to get into, first, I've got a question. How does a vasectomy affect prostate health? And testosterone production, or does it or doesn't it? Yeah, it has absolutely no effect. Okay. Zero. That's the beautiful thing about a vasectomy is the only thing that you're blocking is the delivery of sperm. Ejaculation, most of ejaculation comes from the prostate and the seminal vesicles. So you get 90 to 95% of your ejaculate. Testosterone gets released into the bloodstream, so you're not affecting testosterone at all. The only thing that's affected is the delivery of sperm. Okay. All right. Now, testosterone hormone replacement therapy for men. Now, one of the questions I get asked a lot is from men is, once I start hormone replacement therapy, do I have to stay at the rest of my life? Yeah. So um, that's a really, really good question. So first of all, if you're young and if you want to have kids, don't take testosterone replacement. Okay, you can really mess up your ability to have children if you have uh, testosterone replacement. Even if you're taking something like Clomid, which supports your pituitary hormones, you can mess up your ability to have kids. I remember I did a vasectomy on one of the, the Raiders back in the day. It was like an all-pro defensive end for 15 years. This guy was a mountain of a human being, 350 pounds, and his testicles were the size of peas. <laughs> right? Because think about it. Right, right. <laughs> well, the thing is, you're playing football right. with a bunch of young guys that are in the weight room and are physically aggressive. So your testosterone, the average testosterone of an NFL football player is going to be 1,000, 1,100, just naturally. Right? You're not playing the chess team. 
you know, you're playing guys that are, are out, you know, knocking each other around. So in order to get a competitive advantage over someone whose testosterone at baseline is a thousand or 1200, you're going to have to boost your testosterone up to 2000 or 2,500 to really, really high levels. And there's what's called a negative feedback loop. So the higher your testosterone is, the more it tells your pituitary and your brain don't make testosterone. We got enough testosterone on board. And if you do that for long enough, guess what happens? Your testicles say, well, we don't need to make testosterone and we don't need to make sperm because, you know, that's already been taken care of for us. So guess what? They shrivel up. You use the protein to build muscle or to do something else. And so, you know, for the young guys out there that are listening, don't mess around with this stuff. It's really not worth it. Okay. But as you age, men can lose testosterone. Their testosterone can get lower. Now, the stuff that we talked about, about exercising, about losing weight, those are all the important things to do first, right? Because they're really good for you for a number of reasons for erectile function, for cognitive function, for self-confidence, for the ability to maintain activity levels for a long time, to be able to play with your kids, to be able to play with your grandkids, to be able to have sex with your spouse. I mean, any number of things are going to be benefited by losing weight, eating better, exercising. Okay. But say you're doing a lot of that stuff and you're 55, 60, 65, and your testosterone is low. So what are the symptoms of low testosterone? Well, you're going to get tired. You're going to lose focus. Your libido is going to be low. Your muscle volume is going to decrease. Your fat's going to increase. So go to the doctor. Don't go to one of these internet clinics, okay? Because there are a lot of things that can masquerade as low testosterone. So if your thyroid is out and your hypothyroid, guess what? Same symptoms, If you have sleep apnea and you can't sleep, guess what? Same symptoms, right? So you may be dialing up, uh, you know, testosterone clinic on the phone or on the internet. They don't know who the hell you are. All they want to do is sell you something. They don't care if your health is good, your health is bad, whatever. You're just a credit card number to them. And they're going to sell you testosterone. And you may just have sleep apnea or you may just have a low thyroid level. So make sure that you actually go see a doctor who's going to care about you and check the appropriate tests and look you in the eye and tell you, okay, these are the pros and cons of testosterone replacement therapy. So the cons of testosterone replacement therapy is one, you're going to lose some hair. Two, it's going to make you infertile and your testicles are going to get smaller. Three, if you have a big prostate and you have trouble urinating, it's going to get worse. Four, if you have an elevated PSA or you have aggressive prostate cancer, there's no way in hell you should be on testosterone replacement. And, you know, then there's some other little stuff. Your hematocrit can go up and that kind of stuff. But those those are the main downsides. But if your testosterone is really low and you have symptoms, right? I don't just treat a number. Right. I treat a person. I treat a patient but I treat a customer. So if you have the symptoms of low testosterone and your numbers are low, then it's time to replace testosterone. So let's go into erectile dysfunction. Because I've, with testosterone, we can go on forever. I think personally, the best way to address the issue is, and I, 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 there's many different th- therapies for testosterone, injections, creams, pellets, I don't know. What, what do you consider the best option? I like cream. The problem with cream is that you don't get levels that are high enough. So, you know, the, the, what I tell people is H2O is a small molecule, right? You know, just two hydrogens and an oxygen. Testosterone is a really big molecule relative to testosterone. But if you jump in a pool, you don't quickly become waterlogged, right? Because your body keeps right. water out. So how do you expect a really big molecule like testosterone to get through the skin easily? Interesting. So you you put it in a carrier gel and the carrier gel helps 
make testosterone diffuse through the skin, but still a very small percentage of the testosterone that you put on your skin actually gets into the bloodstream. So it depends on when you actually check testosterone levels. So if you check testosterone levels 30 minutes or an hour after you put the testosterone cream on, you might get pretty high levels. But if you check it 12 hours after you put the cream on, your levels, you know, maybe 400, 500, if you're lucky, 600. You're not going to get that much bang for your buck. And in my experience, when a guy comes in and their testosterone's 250 or 300 and you get their levels up to four or five, 600, they feel a little bit better, but not much better. Right. But to get to 800, they feel amazing. Yeah. But, you know, I, I try to push my guys up to 1,000, 1,100, 1,200. That's when you really, really feel yeah, good. My sweet spot, my sweet spot's about 1,100. Yep. Yep. That's, uh, I, that's what I shoot for on my guys, 1,100. Now, with the, the shots, you're going to get kind of a roller coaster ride. So if you do, I never let anyone go more than once a week. I mean, uh, you know, less than once a week. So every two weeks, every month. Right. I, I never let anyone do that. Right. You got to do either once a week or twice a week. Three. Um, but you know, who wants to, or even three, I mean, who wants to jab themselves three times a week times 50 weeks, you know, it's, <laughs> that's 150 needle sticks. That's, that's a, lot. a lot of needle sticks. But what I really like are the bio T, um, testosterone yeah. pellets. We just slip them in, in the flank. You feel like you have a Charlie horse for about two, three days sometimes longer, but usually about two, three days. And then that gives you, it's kind of putting like a little salt shaker uh -huh. in the body. So it, it slowly releases the testosterone over a period of about four to six months. And during that four to six months, you know, the algorithm that BioT gives us will get you between a, a level of a thousand and 1200. Okay. And guys feel great and you can build muscle like crazy. So I have this amazing Brandeis MD male rejuvenation protocol. And I have a series of men in their sixties and I have all their in-body data to support this in four months. I grow five to eight pounds of muscle and have them take off 10 to 20 pounds of fat. It's amazing. I use what's well, it's testosterone, but also I use M sculpt. So M sculpt, I don't know oh. if you're familiar with M sculpt, M-Sculpt uses high-intensity focused electromagnetic waves. So it's a machine made by a company called okay. BTL. And uh, I'm one of the, the spokespeople for that device. It's the most amazing device you've ever encountered. So a treatment with an M-Sculpt machine is about the equivalent of 10 to 15 workouts. Now, is this an at-home product? Unless you're like Jeff Bezos or someone who's got, I, you know, I, I can almost guarantee you that Jeff Bezos uses an M sculpt machine. You know, if you, if you've right. seen him lately, he's really bulked up and I can almost guarantee you he's on testosterone and he's using M sculpt, but every Hollywood movie star that has six pack abs now is using M sculpt divide. Absolutely. Wow. I'm just looking it up on your, on your website. That's incredible. Yeah, I have some really, I have a um, YouTube channel, yes. Brandeis yep, MD. It will be on the show notes. And uh, yeah, and um, on my YouTube channel, I have some really good videos. Uh, me and some of the 49ers uh, who come to my office to use the, the M-Sculpt machine. And then I have a, I'm kind of a science nerd. Okay. I kind of have to be because my office is pretty close to Apple and Google and Facebook and Lawrence Livermore Labs and Oracle. So I have a lot of really smart engineering types come to the office. In fact, I had a patient the other day, he's a nuclear physicist. And so I asked him, I was like, Oh, you know, have you ever seen a nuclear explosion? He's like, yeah, I planned six of them. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. <laughs> you know, how many people do you know that actually planned six nuclear explosions, but that's, you know, Lawrence Livermore labs where they do all the, um, the high level, um, Star Wars technology, nuclear work, um, all that kind of stuff. All right, let's drive into erectile dysfunction. And first up is the Gaines Wave Therapy, because not a lot of people know about Gaines Wave Therapy. It's starting to become more and more popular. 
There was a time when only a few doctors did it, and now I think it's growing faster and faster every week. Let's talk about Gaines Wave Therapy first. What is Gaines Wave Therapy, and what does it do? Yeah, so Gaines Wave is the use of low-intensity shockwave therapy or acoustic wave. And so what that is is a sound wave has like a nice, gentle wave appearance. But an acoustic wave or a shock wave has a super high peak and a sharp drop. And when your body encounters that kind of blast effect of a shock wave, it thinks it's being injured. And when it thinks it's being injured, it generates an injury response. And that injury response grows new tissue. So think about it this way. What's the tallest building in Atlanta? Mm, I don't know anymore. Gosh, they keep growing. <laughs> it's not uh, all right. So say someone where? dropped a say someone dropped yeah say say someone dropped a bomb on the right. Peachtree Center, right? So eventually they'd have to build some roads in there to take out all the debris, and then if they wanted to rebuild, they'd have to build a bunch of roads in there to bring new building materials to rebuild the Peachtree Center, right? And in the body, those roads are called blood vessels. And so the primary problem with erectile dysfunction is that you don't have enough blood flow. And so by stimulating tissue in a way that will grow new blood vessels, you're actually increasing blood circulation to the penis, which improves erectile function. Okay. Now... This process is how many, I mean, what's the, what's the visit take? Oh, I mean, how long does it take? Yeah, the visit's about okay. 20 minutes. Uh, it's mildly uncomfortable, a little bit awkward, but patients get used to it really, really quickly. It usually involves either six to 12 visits once a week or twice a week. And what you do is you run the, the treatment device along the penis and also under the, the perineum because you want to get the blood vessels that are coming into the penis and then the blood vessels that are in the penis. And what you're doing is you're tricking the body into growing new okay. blood vessels. Now, it's not going to turn a 65-year-old guy into a 25-year-old okay. guy. But if you're 55 and now you have to use Viagra and you don't want to use Viagra anymore, you can achieve that ability. If you're 65 and Viagra is not working so well for you anymore. You can get to the point where Viagra works pretty well. And if you're 75 and nothing seems to work anymore, you can get to the point where Viagra works okay, okay. for you. So it, it, it kind of moves the needle one decade. Now there's one out in the market called the Phoenix. Have you looked into that at all? That's a yeah, so I, I know okay. about the Phoenix really well. And they, they do a lot of marketing Everywhere. and advertising, uh, but they don't do research. And so they've never actually proven that their device is the equivalent of an in-office shockwave therapy. And so to be perfectly honest, I don't know. But if I don't know something, then I test it. I don't just tell everyone that it works. <laughs> so, you know, it, it may work, it may not work, but if they're telling you that it works, then they're lying to you because they've never proven that it works. So there's no, there's no proof. There's no, they're saying that it's the equivalent of the other devices that are out there, but they've never proven that it's the equivalent okay. of the other devices. And so until they actually do a study proving that it works, then, you know, it's, I, I think it's, it's all about, expectations. The other thing is that, you know, when somebody comes to see me, there's a chapter in the book that really explains my holistic kind of whole body approach to erectile dysfunction. And, you know, like we talked about before, erectile dysfunction is an early warning sign for right. cardiovascular disease. So, you know, I send guys for sleep studies because they have sleep apnea. I send I start guys on testosterone replacement therapy because that's what their real problem is. Uh, I send guys for cardiac calcium scores and I've, I've literally saved dozens of people's lives because their primary problem was that they had cardiovascular disease. 
and that was causing their erectile dysfunction. But, you know, they were going to drop dead in a couple of years of a heart attack. And so if you're just sending a, 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 a Phoenix to, you know, everyone, because you've convinced them because of clever marketing, that that's something they should do, but you're not seeing them as a doctor and seeing them as a whole, you know, it's just like those testosterone clinics that send a bunch of syringes loaded with testosterone to people. Like maybe that will fix their problem, but maybe that's not their problem at all. Maybe they have sleep apnea. So, you know, maybe somebody has multiple sclerosis or, or lupus or some other disease process that's causing their erectile dysfunction, a pituitary tumor or really bad high blood pressure or, or latent diabetes. And you're just sending them a device that makes a hell of a lot of noise and, and bangs up and down and has a different technology than most of the, the radial shockwave devices that are out there. Maybe you make some money, but have you really done the patient a service? Because to me, erectile dysfunction is a serious medical issue and that needs to be addressed as such. Okay, what about, let's go down the list here, P-shots and stem cells. P-shots use platelets, platelet-rich plasma, okay? Platelets are a miraculous cell in the body that does two things. And most people know the first thing that they do, which is to make clots, right? So if you're bleeding, the platelets gather and cause a clot. But the other thing that they do is they initiate proliferation or they, they prime the regrowth process. And it's really a beautiful system that the good Lord put together because the, the cell that responds to an injury also initiates the healing response. And it does that by releasing growth factors. So there are over 140 growth factors that live inside platelets. And so when we draw blood and spin blood, we can isolate platelets. And the author of the chapter in the book, Dr. Charles Runnels from Fairhope, uh, Alabama, is a brilliant, brilliant man. And he developed the P-shot for men and the O-shot for women. And when you inject platelets into the penis, you begin the process of helping to regenerate or regrow blood vessels. So it's like putting fertilizer on seed. So if you do gains wave or low intensity shockwave therapy, you're stimulating the growth of stem cells, which are like little seeds. And then once they begin to grow into little trees, then you sprinkle a little PRP, which is like fertilizer, and you accelerate the growth of those blood vessels. So if you combine the two, as we, we combine, well, you know, so my, I have a treatment algorithm. And so everyone's different. Everyone gets a different, slightly different algorithm, but for the treatment of the signal, we use the Affirm supplement, the nitric oxide booster, two tablets twice a day, and a low dose of Tadalafil that you can take every day. And that maximizes the signal. And then to improve the pipes, we use the gains wave in combination with the PRP, right? So if you want to pump water to you know, a location, you need electricity to run the pump. That's the Affirm nitric oxide booster and the um, Tadalafil. And then you need good, clean pipes, and that's where the gains wave and the PRP comes yep, in. Yep, exactly. It makes a lot of sense. So what, what are you talking low dose? Five milligrams, two milligrams? Yeah, five milligrams. Okay. All right. What about PT? I, I'm a big, I'm really into the peptide thing craze these days. For some reason, I started going down. What about PT-141? Yeah, PT-141 is a really interesting peptide. So it was developed actually in Australia uh, as a sunless tanning agent. And what they found is that people were getting tans, but they were also getting really horny and good erections. Right. And it works on what's called the melanocortin-4 pathway. And what that is is a brain pathway. And for some reason, there's a linkage between that brain pathway and the penis. And so people get better erections and they get more libido. And so in women, they actually renamed it Vilesi and they released it as a commercial product to boost women's sexual desire in men 
it's hard to keep it's hard well, to compete with generic viagra so i don't think they went and bothered to do the um those tests yeah oxytocin oxytocin is a bonding hormone so women produce oxytocin when they're lactating and it um it increases bonding between a man and a woman or a woman and a baby and so you can use it to increase attraction between a man and a woman okay okay is there anything you want to leave us with before you go? Yeah. Well, I think the thing that is really important to leave you with is that it's really important as a man to, to learn how to take care of yourself. And the 21st century man is the most comprehensive and medically accurate book written by 60 top tier healthcare professionals to help you improve your ability to take care of yourself with early intervention and prevention and inspiration to do so. Now, one question I have before you go, what album or artist would you put on if you had 35 to 30 to 45 minutes to chill? Oh man, you should check out my Spotify playlist. Okay. I will. So I used to be a radio DJ back in my days at the well, I heard that. That's another reason I asked. That. Yeah. So, um, okay. so if you go to Spotify and you go to Brandeis MD lounge, I have uh, 2000 songs on that playlist and then Brandeis MD overflow lounge. And that's got another 600 songs. Okay. And these are songs that I play in, in the lounge. We don't have a waiting room. We have a lounge. And so let's see. So my Spotify top artists, for the past year were uh, Eric Clapton, Coldplay, Billy Joel. Okay. What else? But we play a lot of jazz. We play a lot of uh, some classical, a lot of blues, some hip hop. I'm old school. I grew up in New York. So old school, some old school hip hop, uh, you know, alt rock, grunge. All right, cool. All right. Thank you for taking your time. I'm sorry we ran over. No worries, my friend. And uh, I'm looking forward to reading the book. You got it. So check out my playlist and check out the book. I will check the playlist out for sure. Thank you, sir. All right. You got it. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.